This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and ClearPay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I am your host, Damon Hatfield. With me this week is Greg Miller. Anthony Gallegos! Anthony Gallegos is also here. Hi. And by popular demand, Mr. Slime himself, the raging Canadian, Charles Onyet is joining us. Thank you. I am, I am humbled. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. This is our last Gamescoop of the year. Oh, my gosh. The year 2011 is drawing to a close. What a year it's been. You know? Oh, my God. Uh, 365 is what they call it, Danny. <laughs> uh, we've got a great show for you today. We're, we're making this show all about you, the listener, today. We're, we're going to be doing nothing but answering listener mail, except for uh, 10 or 15 minutes later on the show when we talk to Daniel Erickson, lead writer of The Old Republic. He'll be stopping in later. Uh, and Anthony, and we'll be pulling in Nick Colin, who's working on the review Oi. for Old Republic, to talk to Dan. But Charles, you and Anthony are both playing The Old Republic. Uh, yeah, I've been playing uh, quite a bit, actually, in the early access period. The official launch date uh, for the game is the 20th, um, but they opened up early access starting on, I believe it was the 13th. I got in on, like, the 14th, and uh, I've been playing pretty much nonstop. Uh, you've been furiously <laughs> posting about I think on Twitter. I think he's the highest level person in our guild. No, no, no. no. There's, there's a level, somebody's level 31 in our guild, and then somebody else is level 30. I don't know who those guys are. I'm, I'm level 27 right now. The um, game isn't even out. And Charles is more than halfway to the max. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it, it, the first levels go way faster it's than true. the last ones. It's so, true. I mean, yes, it's it's halfway as in, uh, you, you know, the cap is 50, but it's going to take way longer for me to get from 27 to 50 than it did from 1 to, to 27. But anyway, I, I have been playing the game quite a bit, and it's really good. I, lo- I like the game a lot. It's good to hear. Because, you know, it, it had been such a long time coming, so long in development, and we would see it, and we, sometimes we'd have a hard time getting up for it. And I'll say this. I, I was nothing but a hater on this game. Yes, you were. Over and over and over <laughs> and over and over. Because every time I played it at these demos, I was just like, well, it sure is another MMO. Sure is another. But now that I've actually sat down and played it, I have a level 10 bounty hunter. I like it a lot. A lot. Because, yes, it is like a... Like other MMOs in the gameplay wise, but you never got a good feel. I don't feel like any of the demos they ever showed gave a good sense of the story. And even the longer ones they did that gave a decent sense of the story, I think I had a total disconnect there that I didn't like it because I was like, well, this character's no one that I care about because they're not my character. And now that I'm doing it with my character and I'm like building upon him and having to make like, re- it actually is like a hard decision. Like, uh, do I want to do the light side one or the dark side choice? Like, I don't know. Like, dark, those... dark side is the correct choice. <laughs> well, I, I do light side a lot. I do Basically, my bounty hunter does whatever I'd, I would do. So if it's like a That's guy... I play games. Yeah. Exactly. Like, he like... cries and writes a lot of emo songs? <laughs> yeah, and, and just... It, well, except imagine me with a gun and it's okay to use it. So, uh, Anthony, um, are you going anywhere for break? 
Uh, I mean, I'm going home for like a day. All right, cool. I'm excited for this game, Damon. Charles got me excited. I read his Old previews. I talk to him. I tweet. He tweets about it. I'm all set. I've asked well, him you... several times if my IGN gaming rig can run it. He says if I dial down the settings, yes, it can. You've got you got into an MMO this year. I did DC it's Universe very, Online. It's very scalable. If your thing can run DCUO, I bet it can run Old Republic. Yeah, I don't the, know if it the, can. The Old Republic seems really stable. The performance seems good. Um, okay, and it's it's really polished, especially for a launch. I mean, the thing that a lot of people uh, that when when a new MMO comes out, you compare it to the rest of the MMO landscape and more more than likely you're comparing the it to MMO wow. scape, I think is what they call it. Okay, yes. Um, and, uh, you know, the thing that, that sometimes gets lost is that some of these MMOs have been operating for years and years. They have a lot more content in there. They've had the opportunity to polish and maybe optimize performance, although not really in the case of Final Fantasy XIV, which is still chuggy, still chuggy. And they're wow, charging wow. subscriptions for that starting next year, which makes absolutely no sense. Uh, but that whole issue aside, Tor seems, I mean, it, for the incredible amount of content that's in there, um, you know, I'm, I'm at 27, and there's been, you know, full storyline, tons of quests, lots of dungeons all the way through what I've been doing, and all indications are that there that exists all the way to the level cap, like Bioware has been saying, which is really impressive for, for at launch to have that much in there. I'm going to make a prediction, Greg, uh-huh. and this is nothing against the game. I don't think you're going to spend a lot of time with the older public. Well, here's here's what I'm I, why, the biggest stumbling, only because it's on a PC. The biggest stumbling block, of course, is that I don't have a PC at home. That's so that's the thing. next week when we have the week off, I'm going to come in to the office and I'll play here. For Remember a when bit. you were going to play Minecraft? Yeah, I've played that a few times. Though <laughs> I have played that a few times, but yeah, that is a problem. Anyway. But if I actually commit and I pay the money, and then I come into the I, I'll de- definitely give it Monday. I'll bring Fratello in here, sit in my lap while I work. Who do, you, um, who do you want to play as? Uh, well, what are my choices? I don't even know. I know that, do you want to use a lightsaber or do you want to use guns? I want to use a lightsaber. Okay, well then you can play as, uh, well, basically on the Empire side, which is really the only correct way to play. Okay, is no, that what you are? No, because stupid Jedi. How do the guilds work? Are you all in guilds even though you're in different factions? Or? No, no, we all are on the same faction. Yeah, everyone everyone's, everyone's on Empire. Empire okay, yeah. okay. But you can be a good guy, too, on the Empire? Yeah, like my bounty hunter, for instance, he's a bounty hunter, right? So he works for credits, but like when it comes to... <laughs> When it comes to, like, I have, like, my own personal rule, right? No women, no children. So it's, like... That's cool. It's Well, women, actually, that's fine. Women, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm equal to but children. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, like, for instance, there's, like, one quest early on with the bounty hunter where it's, like, uh, this woman tells you, like, my son's kidnapped... My fa- my husband's kidnapped my son, and I want you to go get him because he's supposed to go to the Sith Academy. So I go to get him, and then the, the husband's like, oh, look, I went to the Sith Academy. All they do is beat children there. It's terrible. Please just let me give my son a better life. We're going to escape the planet. You can just tell my wife that... That you convinced me to send him to the Sith Academy. Just tell him that. Yeah. And so I was like, all right. So I did that. And that was the light side. That that was the light side option. No, the dark side option was to just kill him, drag the child back to his mom, and be like, off to the Sith Academy with you. That's a lot of the dark side options, actually, is just a quest giver says something you don't like, and then you just kill them. Like, my, my Inquisitor will just hit everyone with lightning. Um, and also, I found as I continue playing, you can actually hook up with NPC quest givers. There are flirt options, and those oh, yeah. ev- eventually lead to uh, Bang uh, more, more. <laughs> basically, yes. So my guy is an extreme flirt. Every chance I get the option to flirt, I'm like, click flirt, and let's do it. Just like real Anthony guy is. So, yeah. But yeah, and and all the all the quest dialogue all takes place in cutscenes. You have dialogue yeah, choices. That makes there's, a big there's difference. There's voice acting for your Everything. character and for pretty much every NPC you talk to. There is voice acting. Yeah, um, which is really cool. And the one thing I, I I think is sort of weird about the light side dark side stuff is that if you're going for specific gear, because if you have a high or a high dark side rating, then you can uh, level up your dark side status, which gives you access to more gear. So you're actually encouraged to sort of concentrate on one or the other. Yeah, see, I wasn't sure exactly what they did. I just, like I said, I'm more just going for what feels right. So, I mean, you could play it like that, but I feel like you eventually you're at a disadvantage you because if, if you want the level 50 dark side speeder bike, you, you need to make more dark side choices, and then maybe you need to go back and basically grind dark side points in in dungeons uh, and content like when that. When I play these games a lot, I haven't done it with this character, but I really like the idea of being a racist in in these games <laughs> a lot of times. <laughs> like I, like just like, like real life. Like when I was a dwarf in in World of Warcraft, we thought it was really funny to like be like anti anything but dwarfs. Like we would talk to hey brother to our fellow dwarfs, and then we'd be like ah oh, stupid human, but we'd come up with like racist terms for each of them. <laughs> So I, I'm looking forward to doing that with, like, hey, it, it's role-playing to do it as a human. Humans are the most racist things in, in Star Wars. They hate aliens a lot of times. Anyways. All right, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. This is Steve Carley. Uh, he wants to know, number one, how old were all of you when you first started working at IGN? 24? Right? Yeah, 24. No, yes, 24. <laughs> 
27? I was 28. Yeah, I think it was 22. I, I, really? I came almost directly out of college to, wow. to IGN. So, yeah, I was, uh, I was a young, crazy person when yeah, I started working. I was 25 <laughs> when I first started working, writing about games. Mm-hmm. But 27 IGN. Uh, then he asked number two, Damon, after seeing Skyrim take home the game of the year, did you ultimately put that over Portal 2 as your personal game of the year? Now, hold on a second. I think he's talking about the VGAs. Yeah, but, uh, yeah we haven't given ours yet. <laughs> yeah, right? whatever. No, I, the VGAs are, are fine. They're, they exist. I, we don't pay a lot of attention to them. So uh, That's not the definitive game of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not at all. However, vote. I have decided to vote. My vote is going to Portal 2 for game of the year. Mm. Has everyone else made their decision yet? Or? Yeah, I made my decision. It was basically between Skyrim and Portal 2 for me. Me too. Um, me and too. I, I think I'm going to have to go with Skyrim, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just... I mean, it, if, if Portal 2 were to win IGN's Game of the Year, I would have absolutely no problem with that. Yeah. I love Portal 2 yeah. as just a, a linear experience that also challenge, actually makes you think while you're playing, so it's not just you know rinse and repeat type of single-player story-driven stuff. It's mm-hmm. brilliantly written, entertaining yeah. the whole way through, and the multiplayer component. Yeah, the, is even, the puzzles in co-op are, are even better than what you play yeah. in the single-player portion, it just, it, and the story continues as well. It's, just, it's an incredible game. Yeah. I, and plus I there's free... DLC really they continued and, the story yeah, it's, it's just amazing and yeah. the best I lo- it was my favorite ending or like the way the boss fight ends in that game is so awesome yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I just do whatever Charles says yeah <laughs> you're gonna vote for Skyrim too yeah, you haven't even played Skyrim have you I've only played to the first town but uh, it's a long story <laughs> All right. So. What, to the first town? No the, uh, the reason <laughs> you I put in 50 hours and then got to the first Skyrim's town. a great game I just don't. I just have a hard time playing it. That's all. That's fine. That's fine. You're allowed to say that. Yeah. You don't have to worry about that. But I played 100 hours of Oblivion. So. Well, okay. so what are you going to vote for Game of the Year? Uh, it's a toss-up between Portal and Skyrim again. So probably Portal. Yeah. I'm voting Uncharted Three. Mm-hmm. But incredibly close behind. Because that was part 2. of like the contract when totally. Sony when, paid when for the review. When Sony gave me the giant golf-sized <laughs> check to give it a ten, that was that was in, uh, that was I in the fine print. I wondered what that was. I, no, was I, I just brushed it off as it was a PlayStation Home uh, sweepstakes, but. PlayStation no. 3 game of the year, it's a shooting. Like, well, Portal's there, too. But anyways, uh, yeah, so uh, Uncharted 3, but here's the dilemma I'm in, Damon, is I, I'm Uncharted Oof. 3, but directly behind it, like, I mean, like, super close, I, I it would, the toss-up would be Uncharted 3 or Portal 2 for me. Mm-hmm. So, I have to get, a, I have to kind of get, a, you know, a bird's-eye view of the landscape and see what's happening here. Because if it shakes down that it's on, like, me and two other people voting for Uncharted 3, then I'll just flip it and vote for <laughs> Portal 2 and make sure you know, that game gets the props it deserves. Mm. I don't know though. This is it. And I, if you, you gotta get out there on the campaign trail, stump for votes. And I, I mean, I'm glad people are still talking about Portal Two because it did come out earlier in the year, and so yeah. many big games came out this November that maybe yeah. some people have lost sight of of how good Portal Two really is. Portal Two is amazing. Totally amazing. Uh, Greg, how do you think this gentleman's name is pronounced? This would be Gier Simmergerson. <laughs> and what's his question? Scoop. My question is pretty typical. What game are you most excited for in 2012? Thanks in advance. He sounds Swedish. Could be. The way Greg said it. So, most anticipated games of 2012. I gotta say Tomb Raider. Ooh. Yes. Yes, indeed. People have forgotten about that game. I have forgotten about that. Or or both Tomb Raider and Hitman are like the two hot things Idis has coming out. They both look good. I'm looking forward to Hitman, but I'm not insane The last Hitman was really, really good. I've always liked Hitman. And so it's nice to see that they're coming back to that instead of making terrible Cannon Lynch games. So. <laughs> they also did um, Little Mini, Ninja, Mini Ninjas. Mini Ninjas. Yeah, which, which, which just like, I think it's supposed to be fine. No, just do Hitman. You know what you're good at, and just keep up. <laughs> but I mean, should a developer be be chained to the one popular? If they like to stay in business, okay. All right, I'm not going to argue. I don't, not, Naughty Dog's not being chained to Uncharted. That's true. Speaking of which, again, as another part of my contract with Sony, yeah. I'm excited for the last of us. <laughs> is that a, so that's a 2013, We don't right? know exactly. Yeah, they, they've been vague about when it is. So either yeah, late be. 2012 or early 2013, and take your time with it, whatever. But uh, that and then behind it, Tomb Raider for sure. Tomb Raider looks great. I think yeah. Infinite is mine. Infinite. For Bioshock Infinite. Sorry. Oh, Sorry. oh, yeah. There are a lot of good games coming out yeah. here. Yeah. Next, next year should be an excellent year. And I, I can't wait or for Diablo for Infinite, but I, I would probably have to say Diablo. Yeah, I, I remember Diablo. Diablo, and I was like, well, because I, I know I'm, I'm going to spend so much time playing Diablo. Um, having looked at uh, Blizzard, keeps updating their site with tools to build your characters out. Um, look at all the items that you can craft. There are like comments pages for individual items that have each uh, like 15 comments of people just 
exclaiming how excited they are to go find this <laughs> item. The the progression system through uh, from the first difficulty level to the last difficulty level and the difference in items you can get it just uh, I, I mean I, I'm one of those people that loves obsessively chasing after mm-hmm. Diablo three will be the reason you like get that. fired. It, it might wow. be. It, it just Charles be. comes in every day. Market research. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then you can sell the stuff for for real money. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, well, so it might be the reason that he quits because he retires. Best, Best Buy yeah. has the release date as February first. Obviously, that's probably just a no, placeholder. So, so Diablo three does not have an actual release date yet. It's early 2012. So who knows early. what that means? I'm mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's going to be like March April. We're going to see three Blizzard games next year. It's going to be awesome. Next year is going to be a lot about Blizzard. Yeah, assuming Mists of Pandaria, the next WoW expansion, actually comes oh, yeah, out. You're, you're including that you're considering that a game oh yeah 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 well i mean the content wise it'll be the whole enough content of uh, of what we would consider any normal game and beyond yeah so and and heart of the swarm the second uh, part of starcraft 2 should definitely come out next year unless something crazy happens as yeah. well as and when that happens blizzard dota will also oh, yeah. come out mm-hmm. yeah so like potentially which, four which games is sort basically. Of an unaf- well i mean it's an it's developed by part of the starcraft 2 team so it, it is a blizzard game it's just it's not a traditional release for them but that's still going to be another thing that could could totally blow up it'll be you know blizzard dota v uh, dota 2 especially if it's free to play so basically there's a reason to sign up for battle.net because you get a free to play game like so what happened to counter-strike i thought that was supposed to come out this year is that not- uh, counter-strike go is in beta right now it's in closed beta uh it should it yeah it should be coming out next year yeah. um i haven't had a chance to really play the console versions yet i've just been playing on pc and it plays pretty much like counter-strike i mean with with small variations here and there we're gonna mm-hmm. get two valve games next year at least too uh, Canon, yeah. Counter-Strike, and Dota. Left 4 Dead <laughs> Probably and, and not. Both, both very very competitive uh, online games. No, Nothing really story-driven. Yeah. This is Super William Leonard. Hey, guys, love the show. Just had a little question. I'm a broke-ass college student, but I just won an iPad 2. Yeah. Wondering what your recommendations are for either free or cheap iPad apps and games. It's my first iDevice, so I don't really know where to start. Every game is cheap and free. Or so I don't know. Battleheart is my favorite iPad game of all time. Really, six point yeah. five from IGN. I, yeah, I started playing that. Criminal. I, is it? It felt kind of grindy when I was playing it. it is grindy. I didn't get very far. Yeah, because Diablo's Diablo's totally just no, not Diablo's, grindy at all. So Diablo three, because it's in beta, I've had a chance to to play around with the skill sets. It is a lot of fun to play around with those skills. It does not feel uh, repetitive when you are playing around. Oh, yeah, with Battleheart's repetitive classes. as shit. Like, it's still fun. Super William Leonard, uh, Jetpack Joyride is currently free to download. Go now! Tiny, <laughs> oh God, I hope you hear this! <laughs> Tiny Tower is another great one. Also free to play. It got, uh, I believe, iPhone Game of the Year from the App Store mm-hmm. people. So Drop 7 is now free. You love Drop, Drop 7. Se- Drop you play Drop 7 like crazy, man. I still play Drop 7 to this day. I can't stop playing Drop 7. I'm Bike all, Baron. It's amazing. Uh, Flipboard is a free iPad app. It's the best way to surf the internet. It makes... It turns... It, it lets you surf the internet. It lets you flip through the internet like it's a magazine, basically. It's awesome. Also, yeah. I, I know this is lame, but I still play Bejeweled Bliss. Oh, I like I love that game too. Time. I you love that. You game. can't go wrong with a PopCap game in general. Yeah, like an like, iPad. On. Here's the thing about the iPad games and every game for that matter on iOS <laughs> devices: is you have to keep your ear to the ground and figure out when they're going to. Because everything's going to be free eventually. I got SimCity for free, and SimCity's awesome. You, you should pay attention to Justin Davis's article, App Store Update, today's App Store Update that he puts up every day on IGN. Because uh, there's always free games in there, and I check them out every day and. Sometimes there's a good one. Also, all the games by Kairosoft. Yeah. There you go. There's a good start. This is Andy Wallace. I'll Andy keep Wallace. this email short. I'm writing in just Thank to see God. if there's any update on Greg's running regiment. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, here's the thing. My, my coach, Poe, wanted me to go every other day. And I'd love to do coach that. Coach Poe. But I, uh, the problem I'm finding is that I get home, so I get home late from work, and I eat, and then I'm tired. What's late? I get home at seven, and then by the time you're done eating and doing what, getting Pertella walk and everything else, so you don't want to eat, eat before you run. Exactly. Yeah, you, you, eat, you eat post workout. Well, when I'm, I'm, I've been toying with the idea of waking up earlier because I'm an early riser usually. I'm usually mm-hmm. good about getting mm-hmm. up in the morning, so just waking up at six every day and going mm-hmm. for a run or every other day and doing it. You can do that. Or here's another suggestion: uh-huh. before you leave work, have a snack. Okay. Right, and then when you get home, have your run, and then eat dinner after that. Okay. It'd be so much easier if you could run with Portillo, but he's very small. Yeah. So. Steimer was telling me she used to run with Portillo, so I should try to do it. And he's, he's not, he doesn't like it in the beginning, but eventually, because <laughs> in her words, in, in her Portillo voice, she goes, why am I moving this fast? <laughs> but anyway, it's going, I'm doing it, I'm actually doing it, so, and I'm enjoying it, it's fun. I, like, yeah. I, get, I get to listen to podcasts and run around, look like an idiot. I get winded in front of Charles' house. I need to get back on that train, too. All right, well, next week, come into the office every day with me. 
and we're going to play Star Wars, and we're going to run. Those two, those two activities are entirely <laughs> incompatible. That doesn't make any sense. It will cross some sort of... I'll try of... and work off all the Mountain Dew and Cheetos. I'm just like... <laughs> Lot of it's, it's the time of year for you know res- resolutions. Yeah. See, that's why I tried to start it early. I didn't want to do that. I don't mm-hmm. like the New Year's resolutions. Cliche, as they say. Well, keeping you know on the same theme. Our next email is from Nathan Yeager from Minnesota. Oh, the heir of the Yeager fortune. He says, "Dear Scoop, <laughs> names Yeags. Sup? Okay, this email is over." <laughs> <laughs> Been listening to IGM Podcast since 2009. You guys flippin' rule. Keep it up. My question is about self-respect and discipline. Oh, my God. I'm not an in-shape guy, but I'm not totally unhealthy either. In high school, I tipped the scales at 300-plus pounds. Almost nine years later, I'm still a husky 250, but I'm steadily working on trimming the fat, building the bulk. When When Skyrim was released, all of Oblivion broke loose. I didn't go to the gym for two weeks, and I gained 10 pounds. Ever since this damn beautiful game took control of my life, I've had trouble pounding off the pounds and getting back into a routine. My question is also kind of a compliment. You guys seem to stay in decent shape. Even Greg seems to be in not-so-bad shape. That's right, 12 push-ups. How do you guys do it? (laughs) Special diets, workout secrets, any help and insight would be helpful. And as always, keep up the good work. I try and be mindful of what I eat. Generally, the, the hard and fast rule with me is when I go to order... Whatever I initially think I should order, I need to half it if I'm smart. Because I'm always like, oh, well, I'm at a restaurant by myself. I should get two entrees. I'll have leftovers, not one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't watch what I eat beyond um, trying to like, you know, I, I go to Trader Joe's and I'll get the I'll get the organic vegetable produce and I'll get my yeah, you know my uh, you gra- I'll get grass fed beef and stuff like that. But I you know I, I also eat, but I'll eat Cheetos and Doritos and stuff like that. The thing is, that I do work out every other day. Uh, and I just, you know, as in terms of how do you stay disciplined about it, just like people do what they want to do. So been, I just, it's important to me. When I turned 30, I noticed I was getting a beer, a beer belly. So I was like, well, I got to go to the gym. Ever since then, I've gone to the gym every other day. Buy some audiobooks and just start walking. That's like the best thing. I just haven't been walking to work. I've been driving, which is dumb. I make but. myself a dubstep playlist and I get on the, uh, oh, what's the, uh, the Stairmaster? No, no. The, elliptical. Uh, yeah, I get on the elliptical and uh, I burn Stairmaster. like 300 I'm calories in a half hour. Yeah, I think it's all about just finding something. For What's helpful for us is we live in a walking city. Like you walk just about that's everywhere. That's also true. That's yeah, also true. So that's, I mean, that's, uh, that's more extra. That was my thing when I went to high school, or when I, when I was in high school and I was graduating to go to college. My aunt said to me, "Oh, well, you know, when you get there, you've got to make sure you're walking around and doing stuff, you know, because it's such a you know sedentary lifestyle. You're gonna the college." And I'm like, "If I was any more sedentary, I'd be bedridden. I would just be laying there. You know, what I mean, like it was a step up to go to college to where I actually walked to classes and yada yada yada. And then I moved to a city where I still do that, where I still walk around and do all stuff. Mm. And I try to, and you mix it. I, I personally, I mean, I'm a bad fat person. I like vegetables, like you know what I mean. I'm not a big fan of sweets, like." I'm, I go in the you know the chicken wing direction, and I bake them, so they're not even that bad anymore. And Charles rides his bike. I do. I have a bicycle. I use it. Charles also strictly regiments the calories that go into his body to a large degree. Uh, it, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I I do pay attention to to what I'm eating and how much of it. Are you still eating out of the vending machines every day? Uh, yeah, it's just it's inexpensive and it's very low low calorie. Then I, I, get can, back then I can have a nice dinner that is like a cheeseburger or something like that. I don't have to worry about All it. Right, New Year's resolution is I'm going to continue to feed Charles. Well, <laughs> I'm going to keep packing him lunches. <laughs> this is David Stubbin from Australia. Since I discovered oh, the, the Gamescoop huh? podcast at the beginning oh, I'm of this. The I discovered the GameScoop podcast at the beginning of this year, which in turn led me to Knockin' Boots and beyond. I've suffered from depression since I was 13, and having entered my 20s this year, I'm always on the lookout for things that give me some some form of escape when I'm at my lowest. GameScoop, in particular, (laughs) brightens me when I'm feeling down, and I thank you so much. Uh, I thank you as much as I can for the effort the Scoop crew puts into putting together the podcast. You're very welcome, David. Yeah. We're well, happy to you. help Thank out. you for listening. Yeah. And, and you say the effort we put into putting out the podcast. All the effort goes to Damon. He's the one who tries real hard. The rest of us just, just show up here. in her room. <laughs> Fucking diarrhea on a mic. Get out of here. My, Damon tries really hard. So thank you, Damon. Uh, this is also, this is Thomas, also from Australia. He wants to know, what do you think of the current state of arcade-style racing games? From playing Test Drive on my Amiga through to the first Need for Speed, from Mario Kart to Need for Speed Underground 2, that is, in my opinion, the last good quality arcade racing game. What um, are your opinions about that? He included Mario Kart? Go play Trackmania 2 right now. Yeah, I was going to say, that's an <laughs> yeah. awesome one on PC or split second. You don't think Mario Kart's great. an arcade racer? 
I mean, I, I think there's a difference between kart racers and then arcade. Ra- I don't know. Whatever. I guess it's it, it, we're getting into like nitty gritty, stupid stuff. Play Split Second. That was see, a, like, that was a you, fantastic. Yeah, Split so Second was very good. And what about uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit? Yeah, I think it was awesome. Shift Two was good this year, wasn't but it? Shift Dirt. Two is much much more of a sim. Is that real simmy? Closer see, to simmy. That's sim the whole thing about me is when any of these car games, when they're like about real cars and everything else, I lose all interest. Exactly. But like, I love kart racers. Like I'm so into Mario Kart Seven right now. Exactly. That's but what he's I not like talking about, about like Sims. Something. He's talking about arcade. Exactly. Buy Mario Kart Seven. <laughs> you want a game like Split Second? There's no speedometer on the car. All you need to know is you're going fast. That's and all stuff's blowing about. up around you. And stuff's blowing up. Yeah, like crazy. That game's great. I like that one. Uh, this is Big Tony style. Yeah. What game in 2011 did each of you have low expectations for, but ended up being surprised by? Uh, yeah, I tried to think of one. And I think all the games that I thought would suck ended up sucking. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I played a game. The, the last game I can, that I played where I, that happened was Darksiders, and that was not this year. But that was the last game I can think of where I was like, well, this is going to be shit. And then I played it, and I was like, it's awesome. See, I, okay, in that same vein, and I know it's a touchy subject, <laughs> Dead Island, I had really low expectations for Dead Island, but I really yeah. enjoyed that. Well, he asked, conversely, are there any games you had high hopes for that really let you down this year? Uh, I, I would say, Charles, you might agree with me. I wouldn't say it really let us down, but Rage was not oh, yeah, yeah. the game that I had hoped it was. Uh, Rage was a little more conventional than yeah. uh, than I think it was being marketed as initially. Yeah. Um, I still really enjoyed Rage. And, I, you know, I, I mean, like it. Rage is one of. I mean, I know a lot of people flipped out about that game. Rage is one of the best shooters of the year, like no question in my mind. Mm. I liked it better than Crisis 2. I thought Crisis 2 was kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was a little bit of a letdown for me. I mean, mm-hmm. Crisis 2 is really pretty, but it's just, yeah. it, it, it didn't really hold my interest that, that much. I thought, I thought Rage was actually better than that, but Battlefield is still probably my, my favorite shooter of the year in that realm. Battlefield Battlefield's campaign let me down. So yeah, that fun. was super boring. Yeah. <laughs> for me, the- Assassin's Creed Revelations. Yeah. I'm a big Assassin's Creed fan. I, lo- I even loved Brotherhood. I was so ready to get into this, and I, it was just... Ugh. I, I'm only... I'm only I stopped two DNA sequences in just because I was so bored. Like it's just boring, and they're mixing all this tower defense crap, and it's like a, I just want to stab people. Yeah. This is uh, Yer Donin from Israel. Oh yeah, uh, he writes in all the time. He's the, he flew out here for Beyond Two Hundred. Oh my he's gosh, big time oh IGN fan. He's also a Prime subscriber. <laughs> all right, <laughs> I know that because when we did the Prime thing for Uncharted, me and Greg, he was the one constantly asking us mm-hmm. questions. He's a good man. So he says I've been going out with my girlfriend for about two months. Yeah, buddy. Lately, she's been asking me to show her some games. I was wondering what games you can recommend for the occasion. Wants to show her something else, right, Charles? Am I right? Yeah. I don't don't actually know what you're talking about. I assume Battlefield 3 or Uncharted 3 will be a bit much for a first-timer. I have have an Xbox 360 with Kinect and a PS3. Okay. Little Big Planet. Little Big Planet's a good one. Um, Yeah, what Kinect games? Dance Central. There you go. Uh, Any any karaoke one. If you want to do SingStar, if you want to do Lips, something like that. Castle Crashers, Castle Fruit Crashers. Ninja Connect. Okay, fine. Sure. Yeah, sure. No, no. I yeah. said yeah, sure. I said yeah, sure. I came back around. I came back around. Joe Danger is on XBLA and PSN now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, game. Oh, really I hard. had a great time playing Auditorium on PS3 with my girlfriend. Pixel Junk Shooter is, uh, I mean, a fun co-op one where you're both little ships and you can go, but it does get tough. Or Pixel Junk Eden. That one's much lower key. Yeah. Not as Flower, of course. Flower. Just watch her play. Flow. Flow. There you go. So, I, I was kind of joking about that. Yeah. She loves watching microorganisms go around <laughs> eating each other and drop between levels of whatever they're in. This is Drew S. Drew S. Heavy Rain as well. He says, that was one deep. Good for audience. Scoob! Hello all. My Scoop. friend and I are having a debate on which gaming community is bigger. Okay. He says the PC community is bigger, even though there are less sales than the consoles. It is bigger. I have the reverse thinking. To me, I think the console market is bigger than the PC market, therefore it has a bigger community. That's <laughs> being a little confusing. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's true. I mean, it's 100 percent not true. The the PC market encapsulates everyone playing games on Facebook, everyone playing you know traditional uh, hardcore PC games on on everyone in Russia and China. Pretty much anyone with with yeah. a, a laptop uh, yeah. with Minesweeper on it. Uh, so it's 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 a huge audience. They're the the most potential for growth is in the PC market. Yeah, pretty much everyone like east of. Poland doesn't play console games. All they play is PC games. That's a huge chunk of the world. Granted, some some uh, multi-platform games will sell more on consoles just because they're targeted specifically for that uh, gaming market. But yeah. in terms of overall size, overall growth potential, it, it has to be on... It, the PC is the largest, I would say. 
This is Johnny Martinez. What games would you consider to be a video game cult classic? The only one among my friends is Halo Wars. I've recently started to play it again. I've been playing with my friends religiously. I'm sorry, I would entirely agree with that. Halo Wars was amazing. Uh, what do you think are other cult classics? Grim Fandango. That means easy beyond good and evil. Wow. That's random. Well, it's uh, true though, right? Like there's I, that, and like Psychonauts. There's a whole bunch of people who think those games yeah. are just amazing. But well, yeah, that's true. I mean, System Shock Two gets a lot of critical praise, but it really didn't sell that well when it first came out. Mm. That's oh. something that everyone everyone should play if they haven't. I, I know there are texture packs you can download to make it look a, a oh, really? slightly better because it's it's pretty old at this point. Nice. But uh, but yeah, I would absolutely recommend everyone go back and play that game. It's uh, it's got a really cool storyline, really good atmosphere. It's really scary and 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 very well designed. My favorite game series is the definition of a cult series. You know what it is, Greg? Your fa- favorite game series? Mm-hmm. I want to say Disgaea. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Super hardcore, nerdy Japanese strategy RPGs. They're awesome. But they keep making sequels, and there are a lot of people who talk about them. I mean, but uh, you know, they they're not sell. selling. Yeah, they're not uh, selling. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, they sell gangbusters. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is Sam. What, did somebody scoff at Sam? Yeah, no, I, 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 I scoff. <laughs> I, I scoff because I thought of the term gangbusters, and I was like, "What does that mean?" It means it sells well. Yeah, but why does that mean it sells well? Like it, it sells it, so well that gangs get broken up. Exactly. It's like if we legalized, you know, marijuana right now, all the drug gangs would break up about it. Okay. Because there'd be no, there'd be no market. They'd have to <laughs> go into gangs. like home equity and stuff this like is, that. The marijuana drug gangs. I uh, think Greg's just quoting the Wikipedia page, <laughs> which I'm about to edit. <laughs> uh, Sam says, "I was wondering how you decide which platform to review a game on. Do publishers ask you guys which is your system of choice, or do they send multiple copies or review code for multiple systems?" Scoop. They Scoop. rarely ask. What platform we want? Uh, in some cases, they will, but m- yeah. uh, most times, that there's there's usually one one version available initially, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the rest become available at some time later. Like PC games are are very difficult to review uh, pre-release just because of all the security restrictions, and you usually have to wait for the game to come out on a digital distribution platform like Steam until launch date to actually start playing the the final version. Although some exceptions are made, but for the most part, in, in PC land, you're you're reviewing from launch and uh, and beyond. Mm. Beyond. Some some publishers are just straight biased. Like Sony, send, they o- they'll only send PS3 <laughs> copies. Yeah, I had to wait forever for that Uncharted PC <laughs> copy to come in. Uh, this is Joey. He says, I just recently started listening to your podcast. Come De- on, Joey, get your life together. Definitely one of the greatest things I've gotten myself into. It's about time. I live in Beirut, Lebanon, and the traffic here is just ridiculous, so the drive to college is finally bearable. Honestly, I don't have any insightful gaming-related questions to ask. Just wanted to show my love and appreciation for this awesome podcast. Oh, oh and Damon, you have a really hot voice. That's true. That is all. Well, Joey, I... I'm, you should be friends. Maybe, uh... Maybe 2012 is the year that I tried dudes. You need to be friends with our friend in Israel. You guys yeah. can be ambassadors of peace between your two countries. They don't have a very good history. <clears throat> this is Cameron from Canada. He says, I'm just wondering, does GameScoop love me? Yes. Quite a bit. GameScoop loves you very, very much. Cameron. Thank you for listening, Cameron from Cameron. Cameron. Do you know Cameron, Charles? Uh, you know, it's probably in my, uh, my address book. <laughs> Everyone's handed one when you're born. The Canadian Yellow Pages. It auto-updates. With the internet, it's just gotten so much easier. Remember when you had address books? Like, physical address books? You're like, oh, I'll write your name and address in here. Do you remember when you knew your friend's phone numbers? Oh, God. No. <laughs> I, but I know. I totally remember that. Yeah. That, we're ruined. Yeah. You lose yourself when it's over. Yeah. Uh, this is Chad Smith from Ohio. What's the oldest game in your backlog that you actually plan on finishing? I just completed Quake 2. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> After having owned it for most of these years, and I enjoyed it. Oh, Jesus. I don't have anything that's like 15 years old like that. Yeah. Probably my oldest is like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. I'd still like to play that, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, my, there, there are so many games that came out this year that, that I haven't been able to play yet just because, uh, well, like, I, now is usually the time when I would go back through a backlog and, and clear things, but The Old Republic came out, yeah. so that's, that's taking up all, the, all that time. So I don't, I don't have anything beyond like a year or two old, essentially. Yeah. Assassin's Creed 2. That's the only one. I often look at my games when I'm in the mood just to play something, and I see 3D.GameHeroes there. And that oh, was one yeah. of those, I love that so much leading up to its release, and then when it came out, I just wasn't in the mood for it, and I'm still not in the mood for it. It's one of those, uh, one day I'm going to wake up and be like, man, I could co- totally go for like a goofy Zelda, and like then I'll be ready to play. Or you could play Zelda. I had started Zelda. Okay. I'm ready for 3 d <laughs> 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 No, I'm, it's Skyward Sword. It's fun. It's just... Uh, 
I got a dog, and I don't like having to move him every five seconds to wiggle my hand. <laughs> How did you end up feeling about Skyward Sword, Charles? I know you were, you were really excited for that game. Uh, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I thought some of the quest structures were a little repetitive. Um, I, I don't know how far everyone got in the game, but eventually they they basically recycle the same areas over and over with kind of different overlays over them, which which was a little disappointing to me, but in terms of the, the overall progression, the item use, the control, I really like the watercolor style visuals as well, which I, I wasn't mm-hmm. so uh, positive about pre-release, but once I actually started playing the game, uh, I really appreciated what they did. But you like the controls too? I did like the controls. I mean, sometimes they weren't entirely accurate, but overall, I felt it really. I felt it added to the experience and made made the puzzles feel uh, more interesting, as opposed to just "Hey, I'm lighting torches again." Great. It's it's not that kind of thing. And the combat is certainly a lot deeper than it has been in, in previous Zelda games. But I think they still could. I think Nintendo could still do a few things to to sort of advance that formula so it stops feeling like. Uh, uh, more of a rehash, but uh, I, I still really like that game. It, it's not above Skyrim or Portal 2 for me, though. I see. All right, we're going to switch gears up a little bit here. We're going to get Daniel Erickson, lead writer for The Old Republic, in here to talk about more Old Republic. Anthony's going to stay. We're going to bring in Nick Colin, who's reviewing the game for IGN. Uh, uh, so we'll do that here in just a sec. But before we go, David from Sacramento has a Christmas treat to share with his fellow GameScoop listeners. He has an XBLA code for Fruit Ninja Connect. Uh, so I'm going to read that out right here. Fast fingers, listeners. 9C BB2 YDVCG 6WVC2 H8K9F PHWG6. Whoever redeems the code, make sure you send good vibes, good holiday vibes to David in Sacramento. Let's check out uh, what Daniel Erickson has to say about the Old Republic. Oi, Nick Cole here! Let me tell you about this Star Wars, governor! <laughs> Okay, now we are joined by a very special guest. We have Daniel Erickson here, lead writer for Star Wars The Old Republic. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you. Uh, we're also being joined by Nick Cole, and he, I don't know who he is. He's some jerk, walked in off the street. Hey! <laughs> no, Nick is, re- Nick is reviewing the game for us. And Nick has just said this is the first time he's been in this room, so it has been a long time since Nick appeared on a podcast, it's apparently. so fancy. There's microphones, it's not just headsets. It's like a wild. giant electronic spider. I was kind of uh, scared when I came <laughs> in. And of course, Anthony is still here, too. Hello. Anthony um, is our resident This actually Star Wars looks expert. a little bit like a Star Wars droid. It's kind it of appropriate. It does, um, actually. Is there a, do you know the name of the Star Wars droid that this looks like? No, but I know there's. The, you see it in Jabba's palace. Mm-hmm. There's like one with arms hanging off everywhere. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, yeah, here we are. So here, this is the launch week for The Old Republic. It it's is. been a long time coming. This game was announced a long time ago. You were just talking about the announcement event, right? That you Anthony was at. I want to say it was, it was like three years 400 ago. Four hundred years ago. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was a long, a long time, ago, time. And uh, and for those of us who were starting the piece, it was six years ago. Last month, I was sitting down in Edmonton putting together proposals for the MMO. Oh wow! So it was. Uh, this has been. It, uh, yeah. It's been a long trip, a long endeavor for you. Well, so congratulations on. Uh, finally coming out. And- I, I was going to say, it coming out, though, I imagine, that's not the end of it for you. You have to continue to write for a continuing content, I imagine, as well. Oh, yeah. In fact, the writing team moved off uh, months and months and months ago. Okay. Bioware obviously puts in a huge amount of polish time. So the vast majority of what was happening in the last few months was making sure the st- servers were going to be up, keeping everything stable, polish, chasing polish, down bugs, polish, 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 mm-hmm. polish. So all the key content folks, especially concept art, writing all that, they've long since been off into uh, what comes next. So how far ahead are you guys compared to uh, compared to... The, pro- the production team not as far as we'd like to be okay <laughs> uh we are we're ramping up some of the departments we had a long time that's the nice thing about uh, having to build an engine from scratch we had a long time to get ahead of them during the original thing uh, most of chapter one in fact was originally scripted entirely in the neverwinter knights engine and you could play wow. through the whole thing put a party together see how it all worked see how it all sort of rolled out so you could test story and plot um probably a year before we had a functioning engine. Wow. So, so how long ago did the writing process actually begin then? Uh, we started before we had an actual contract with LucasArts. Uh, we knew the game. We'd gotten it down to what game we wanted to do. We had approached LucasArts. They were positive about it. But uh, this game's kind of big. It took a while. Kind of, yeah. It took a while with, sure? the lo- with the lawyerly <laughs> folks and such. So 
while the other teams did things that could have worked no matter what MMO we did, right? People were figuring out how to get assets into game, figuring out the pipelines, all that good stuff. Writers didn't really have a, a choice, right? You can't just write some generic stuff that's going to drop into whatever you're doing. So we said, okay, let's assume we're doing the Old Republic and let's just start this thing. Uh, what's what's different as far as like in your writing experience for writing for an MMO as opposed to, you know, writing for, a, for lack of a better term, like a standard Bioware RPG? Well, for one thing, just coming into, so the first game I did for Bioware was Dragon Age Origins and... The and I was a lead designer at Electronic Arts before I went back to sort of the the former love and said, hey, I'm going to go pick up the writing thing again. And the multi-scripted, crazy branching quest Bioware thing Mm -hmm. is already one of the most complicated design challenges I've ever seen in games. It's just brutally hard to track. It's hard to QA. It's hard to figure everything out for them. Doing this in an MMO environment is insane. The amount of documentation and airtight design that you have to have, what we provide to the world designers from the writing department is got to be 10 times what we did on Dragon Age, right? Everything has to be down to the exact numbers and the callouts. And here's what we're going to need from cinematics. And here's what we're going to need from this. And this quest specifically does this. And hey, I referenced something that happened 14 hours ago. I have to make sure that that's called out. Um, so from a technical side, it's just incredibly taxing. From a sort of creative side, there's a couple things that jump right out. One, you can't trap players or do any of the sort of chicanery you might have done in a, in a single-player game. I can't say, and now you're in prison and you can't get out until you figure this out. And you're like, but I want to play a war zone. <laughs> um, or, hey, what if you get disconnected in the middle of this? We've got the big, amazing, giant fight, right? You're coming in, and your dad, the evil Sith Lord, is there. And Spoilers, jeez. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> gonna, you're going to face off with him, but you brought 12 of your guildmates. <laughs> What's this scene look like? In fact, one of the earliest things I think that uh, we had not expected, and I don't know why, we all played MMOs, but we weren't, we weren't combining the two ideas in our head. The first time we ever had the actual cinematics in-game and we were running on a live server with testers, somebody figured out exactly where to stand for the first quest, the first world quest you would get on Huda. Somebody figured out that they could stand behind the guy on the couch and put their butt through his face. (laughs) So whenever anyone was getting the quest, their butt would just continually come slide out of his face. And so you you have to really start thinking, okay... What is the community going to do? Where are they going to be? What can they do? How can it affect the story? How can it affect the environment, etc.? Is that like one of the reasons that, I mean, was it always when you triggered a cutscene in the, the game where it actually like, you know, you left the, the regular game world, people kind of ceased to exist around yeah, you? Yeah, that... we, we only draw the party. Yeah, that was directly because of Buttface. <laughs> wow. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, how, do you, how do you plan it all out? Do you have to visually sort of like... For, for, make a diagram so you know how the story's going to branch? Do you have to look at it visually in order before you, before you can sit down and write it all? I think everybody's a little bit different. Our tool is still a heavily modified version of the tool that you get with the Neverwinter Nights. Neverwinter Nights tipped with all those tools. Mm-hmm. and it's, We've always used a tool that's very similar to it with all the branching dialogue. When people are first coming in and learning to be writers, it's really, really hard to see all of that in your head. Um, but I don't think any more difficult than somebody who is normally a short story or a novelist who then tries to lay something out on final page to do a movie script. It's just a completely different format and a completely different art for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I've seen writers who early in their career will sketch it all out or will use mind manager or something else to sort of put it together. But once you're comfortable with it, um, I, I laugh a little bit at it, like, because I, I was showing people when they were in the office, and like, I opened up the tool and, and I was like, "See, and this branch is here," and da 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 da, mm-hmm. and somebody just immediately did the the matrix, right? Like, oh, I get redhead, blonde, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> nice. But you do, you're, you're able to actually just look at the story and understand where all those branches go, and and you can even once you've been looking at it long enough, you can actually skim a giant tree and kind of get the the story. Uh, osmosis. Mm. What, what's been like the uh, hardest part, you know, as far as writing? I imagine not everyone that was a writer on the staff is necessarily like super versed in the Star Wars world. Yeah. So, like, how closely did you guys have to sit there and go back and forth with Lucas on, like, you know, is the, like I don't mean George Lucas specifically, but I mean, you know, as far as Lucas Arts 
like checking like you know does this fit in with the lore does this fit in with the lore can we do this is this even possible well one of the things that i think happened early is it very quickly became clear that we were going to have to be the experts there lucas arts is probably the best licensor you could ever expect to have from a writing perspective uh just think how much star wars stuff is out there right there is like a, a like a canon star wars lunchbox somewhere sure uh there's all of this material out there they've always encouraged their people to sort of go out and explore the galaxy and do all of this we decided very early we did not want to be cutting edge star wars we did not want to be breaking new ground we didn't want to be the one that's like star wars but more sci-fi or star wars it's more horror we wanted to do the love letter to star wars and part of that meant that uh as lead writer i had to make a commitment to say when the hardcore show up here, they're going to feel at home, even though when the totally casual people show up here, we can't rub the hardcore stuff in their face. So we, the, a couple of us had to really become the keepers of the lore. And I actually, I edited and touched every line of dialogue that went into the game. Wow. And how many lines of dialogue are there? Because... For every quest, a I see lot. like it's it's all voiced, you'll have, yeah. and you'll have you'll have, I assume like eight different versions. One for yep. male, one for female, and yeah, then you've got well, the whole so other six, side as 16, well. Sixteen, right? So yeah. the um, when we finished up all the production stuff and we counted it up, what we know is there was sixty six zero man years of writing on the project. Oh my god! So one man's natural life would would have gone into writing this piece, which is actually why a lot of the times it's. It's one of those funny ones that people go, oh, you're a lead writer. What do you write? And I'm like, well, I wrote the first couple planets of the Bounty Hunter. And then, like, a couple sort of strange, risque quests that are floating around, like if anybody's seen Republic Roulette, because I'd just come off Dragon Age. Um, and then very quickly discovered that I wasn't going to get to write anything else on this game. That, you were just going to be reading everyone else's stuff. <laughs> that I was going to be reading and managing and trying to keep eight different flows. And it, at one point, almost 20 different writers all moving in the same direction. What you don't ever want to have happen, just like a really good television show, you don't want a, a player to turn around well playing one character and realize they've switched writers right that's death um so coming from you know having managed and read all the dialogue and all that is there a uh, is there a particular story that you that you favor personally if there was i sure would not say it in public <laughs> i have to go back to these people that's <laughs> do, not do a, you have a, a favorite side you like the empire of the republic more I think I've got a fondness as far as sort of discovering all of it for the Empire because the, they're kind of mine, right? The Sith Empire and the modern incarnation are not something we had actually seen before. This was before all the different writers came on board. This is what I was doing. I was writing. I was going through all of the lore and all the little scraps of what had ever been said about the Sith and trying to actually make it as well as I could match all the stuff that comes into the galaxy later and creating the mythos behind the Emperor and putting all of this stuff together so it is definitely the um it is the project that was the most complicated and i actually got to use a lot of what i'd done on dragon age um, when i'd come on dragon age very early uh one of the first things i would got to do was reinvent the dwarves because they'd been in, like a very stereotypical space and i took my history degree and took a couple different cultures and sort of put them together and said like okay what would happen with this and it was the same thing with the empire right we, we were like okay we said we're going to do the sith empire but we can't just have a bunch of evil people being evil because you couldn't live there. It wouldn't make sense. You're not going to feel like a real person. Um, so on that side, I'll always have a fondness for them. Do you play Empire or uh, Republic? Empire. You, hear, you heard it here first. Empire is the best. Well, yeah. it's, it's actually, actually it's not what I we didn't hear it here first. Best. Charles actually said that earlier on the, the show. The, uh, the, the uh, whole idea in Office plays in Empire. Yeah, we're, so. we're I thought Empire. you were. I thought you were a Republic. No, no, I'm a bounty hunter. I'm, yeah. I'm a bounty hunter with a heart of gold, but I'm, I'm still on the Imperial <laughs> side. I, I'm actually playing right now the most Care Bear Sith warrior that has ever lived, <laughs> and it's. Uh, it's really gratifying, actually, because so Neil Polner wrote the uh, the Sith Warrior and wrote him really, really over the top, and uh, and it feels right, right. The Darth Vader is just an almost insane presence in the movies, and I loved in the books later when Thrawn would complain about him and like, oh my God, we lost half the Empire's greatest officers. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for coming by. Congratulations on the game. Star Wars The Old Republic is out this week, and it turned out really well. 
definitely check it out. Listeners, that brings us to the end of another episode of Game Scoop and another year of Game Scoops. Thank you so much for tuning in week after week. Remember, you can always reach us at gamescoop at IGN.com. Make sure you subscribe in iTunes. Make sure you follow me, Damon Hatfield, on Twitter. Everybody have a very happy holidays. If you're getting Panda for New Year's, make sure you are getting Panda safely. As soon as we get back from the break, we're going to have to start planning PAX East. Looking forward to partying with you all at PAX East in Boston very soon. Going to close out with a song this week. This is a song called Heartbeats by a band called Grum. The song is in Saints Row the Third. It's a great upbeat dance track with an 8-bit chiptune melody. Good song to close out the year with. My name is Damon. This is IGN GameScoop. Happy holidays, everybody. And we're out. there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women bobby cannavale you can eat it or if someone hits you you can put it on your cut melanie linsky i wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet jason ritter i can break things and pick locks and kill people michael stuhlbarg the whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better ari grainer no don't whet its appetite what are you an idiot me justin bartha that's not just any egg cream that's a lemke's special and all narrated by the hilarious richard kind this is the story of harry dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.